the song confessional podcast. Latin mature beings in adult language. Put your children to sleep. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to the. Explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. So we travel around the country in our little blue camper trailer, and we record people telling us stories anonymously. And we call these confessions, right? So we give our favorite confessions to our favorite songwriters who write and record an original song based on your story. Each episode, you'll hear one of our favorite stories, the song inspired, and an interview with the people who wrote the song. I'm sitting here with the man that I've non-sexually consciously coupled with, Tell him your name, hero. My name's Zach. What's your last name for all the cops listening? Cat and Zara, write it down. It's really appropriate, actually, for our, our confession today. It is. There's actually uh, plenty of cops listening. Oh, really? Yeah. We've got some fans. What artist are we going to be hearing from today? This week we've got Husky Loops, a trio based out of London, uh, originally from Bologna. Bologna, Italy, where bologna is from, as well as uh, tons of other cured meats. A lot better ones than bologna, too. Totally agree with you. Uh, Zach, how did we find this band from London, England? Jim actually turned us on to them. Uh, They opened up for Spoon in the UK. He became a big fan and made sure we got them in for the confessional. These guys just released a record. It's called I Can't Even Speak English. It was mixed by Jim. It is truly fantastic. They are a band after my own heart. They mix tons of genres. Their album is all over the place. I love it. Check it out after you hear the song they wrote for us. What's it called? Who did you call? What is what is this confession about? What does it deal with? Man, we've got a really, really heavy one, actually. Um, it involves friendship, mental health issues, secrets, and eventually the inclusion of the authorities. For those of you out there who feel triggered by uh, discussions of violence towards animals or any kind of sociopathic behavior... I strongly recommend fast-forwarding about nine minutes uh, to the production notes and just skip the story altogether. That said, it it really doesn't end as bad as you might be thinking and is quite fascinating to see how Husky Loops interpreted it. Without further ado, here is today's confession. Confession! Hey, how are you? Hey, what's going on? Not too much. Just uh, listening to some great stories today. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been good. You guys have been uh, powering them out here. It's been a good location. <laughs> That's awesome. I've actually been trying to write a song about this myself, so maybe you guys can help me out. Um, I had a friend. He was my best friend. He was like my brother, kind of, for a very long time, like 10, 12 years. Uh, we lived right by each other. We'd hang out, do everything together. Um, and, you know, one day in 2014, we were, I was in college and he came over to my, my grandma's house and he kind of just like, you know, he, he had a bad background growing up and I I knew that he was a little off. Um, you know, he wasn't a, I guess, normal person. He had something, you know, wrong with him, but uh, you know, I didn't think anything of it. He was my best friend, and I, I didn't think it was like a bad thing. And uh, he comes over to my house, and he kind of he sets me sits me down, and and is, he has like a real serious 
like look on his face. So I was like, what's going on? And he was basically like, what if I told you that I killed somebody? And I was just like, like kind of in shock, I guess. Like, what the fuck? And he wasn't smiling, he wasn't laughing, it was like dead serious. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I do. And he goes, well, you know, I was like, did you kill somebody? And he said, he said, no. So I was like, all right, what, what the fuck? And he just goes, you know, what if I told you I killed an animal? And I was like, what, what are you trying to get at? Like, what's going on? And he basically told me that he was, um, we had a friend that we would just, you know, sit on our porch and bullshit and drink and smoke and hang out. And um, she had some stray cats running around her house and, and uh, you know, they, they would come onto the porch sometimes, we'd hang with them and, and pet them and, and all that and, and they'd just chill there, we'd feed them. And, uh, he basically told me that day that he was catching them and, and torturing them and fucking killing them. And I was just like, I was like what the fuck, dude? And he was like, yeah, his breakup with his girlfriend and and cats reminded him of, of his girlfriend. And he was, then he started talking about like like demons and, and not being able to control himself and, and the dark side and, and all that stuff, which I think is, you know, I'm not religious really or anything, but I was just like, that's a little nuts, man. And, uh, you know, he, he, I was like, what did you do? Like, what specifically did you do? Like, what, like, why did you do this? What did you do? And he wouldn't really give me any details. So I was just in shock. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a very strong, passionate animal lover. And I didn't even know what to say. So we kind of just went on like a two hour walk and just talked about like how he feels like he's possessed by like a demon and, and, uh, you know, he, he couldn't help it and he's just like he would get stoned and or drunk or whatever and just he would ca capture the cats and and just do evil things to them he said and, and it was just to me i was like what the fuck like how could this happen to somebody like i was so close with how could i not know that this was going on like i knew he was fucked up from his childhood but i didn't know that he was capable of doing something like this like he was always like a nice guy to people and, and, and stuff like that. So that whole two hour walk, I was just kind of in shock and, and didn't know what to do. Um, we kind of ended that conversation. We were just sitting in his car, chilling in the driveway. And he was like, I like, I shouldn't have told you cause now you're not going to be my friend again. And, and I was just, just out of reactionary, uh, behavior I was just like no nah, man it's cool like I'm your best friend like I just want you to get better and, and I love you man and and uh, and I gave him a hug and then he drove away and essentially that was the last time I ever saw him because the next day I went to the police and I was like this kid's fucking crazy like he's the type of person that'll shoot up a school like all these things that like from what, being friends with him for so long like that he did that were that I always thought of as like funny or stupid or whatever 
um, turned, you know, kind of started turning in my mind, like, wow, that was actually malicious. Like, he actually really tried to kill those people when he leaned out of my car and threw a water bottle to an oncoming car in a small two-lane high, like, road. Um, so, like, everything started making sense, and I, I went there with a couple of my friends to the police station who knew him as well and, and who I told uh, this story. and. And the cops, you know, basically were like, uh, you know, we don't have evidence. There's really nothing we could do. We'll send somebody over there to evaluate him. And, you know, that was kind of the end of it. Um, so the cop called me a couple days later and said, we sent somebody over there to evaluate him. Uh, he passed their test. Um, you know, they gave him, like, whatever test they give to a, a psychopath or something. And he passed their test. But he told them that I was making these accusations because he had slept with my girlfriend, who was our friend at the time who I was dating. So that kind of infuriated me and, and his mom and his stepdad started calling me like, why are you saying these things? Like, this is horrible. And I, I just basically told them everything that he had told me up until that point in confidence because I didn't really give a shit anymore. I was like, you know, he, he touched his cousin when she was younger or um, you know, he was sexually molested by this kid when he was younger and, uh, you know, his dad asked him to beat your, you know, his dad, they, they were divorced, his dad, um, kind of a psycho as well. And, you know, when my, my former friend was like five, his dad asked him to beat whoever the guy his mom was dating with, with a baseball bat. He said, beat him with a baseball bat. Um, and I was just, you know, all these things again started making sense. And uh, the police didn't do anything. They're like, we can't do anything. Uh, you know, we know that he, he, you're not lying and he's crazy. He's got something wrong with him, but we can't do anything. So I called the FBI and I was like, hey, I just want, you know, there's nothing you can do, but I, put, I want to put this person on your radar because he's the type of person that will shoot up a school like out of nowhere, like if it gets into his head. And, and, um, and yeah, basically that's where everything got left off. Never really saw him again. He's still friends with uh, extended friends of mine, but um, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of the end of the story, I guess. But it's just something that's been like uh, a burden, I guess, on my shoulders. Yeah, that's really heavy. That's, that's very heavy. I guess he was going to some church therapy or whatever. If that works, good. I really. You know, at this point, I have no intention of uh, ever connecting with him again. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's sad because I I would have, like, taken a bullet for him. I loved him. He was my best friend. I know he would have done the same. And, and I wish I had him in my life. But, you know, it's kind of like cutting out the bad, never let it back, is, is never a bad thing, I don't think. It's intense. Very intense. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for hearing me out, man. That actually, that felt really good to, to, get, to get out. That's great. Production. Yes, we are back. Hi, Jim Eno here with Walker. Walker, what are we listening to? Um, this is an Instagram video that I took uh, after your session with Husky Loops upstairs at Public Hi-Fi, your wow. studio. Wow, mm -hmm. that sounds cool. I wish I was there. You, uh, you were there. No. Uh, yeah, th so the, the caption of the video is, yes, we're drunk. 
Uh, you were there. It was uh, the band and Mickey Rose and myself and Whoa. some people. Yeah, oh, hi, there I am. There he is. Some people we couldn't identify. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were just jamming upstairs. Why were you uh, drinking so much after the session? Mm, I don't know. Mm, fair, me too. Yeah. What was the day like with them in the studio? Did they have a song prepared or how did it go down? They had a bass and drum groove that they had been working on that they wanted to start with. They, they wrote the song in the studio, right? Yeah, wrote it in the studio. Um, but one exciting thing is we did have a very special guest appearance on Just, this track. Oh, yeah? It was not Elizabeth McQueen. We tried oh? to get her multiple times. She wouldn't come over? No, she wouldn't. No. What did her management say? Uh, I don't know. No one picked up. Then we tried Art Levy, and then he couldn't do it either. What? Yeah, I know. So then you happen to walk in. Oh? Yeah, with breakfast tacos and coffee. And we're like, hey, Walker, do you know how to whisper? Do you remember what you said? I don't. No? No, what did I say? You said, yes. What? Yeah. And so I'm on the track? You're the whisper track, yeah. I don't even remember that. Pretty good, yeah. Well, without further ado, here is Who Did You Call by Husky Loops. Oh, 
him. It was me. That song, that beat, it is so awesome. It really drives the song. Uh, Zach, as a drummer, can you explain what is unique about it? Yeah. Uh, so he's so in the pocket on his backbeat. That's that's snare drum. You, you hear it and it's like perfectly in time. But the kick is kind of rushed and swung. That gives it a little bit of like a funky anxiety. Yeah, that is what it is. It is a funky it's anxiety. It's a funky anxiety. I mean, the beat's so up front. It's, it's the platform of the entire song. Um, but yeah, funky anxiety. I think I just coined a new genre. I love it. I think that's my genre. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like this song so much. And me. <laughs> that's our genre. <laughs> this song was written and performed by Husky Loops. That's Daniel Forni, Pietro Gorone, and Tommaso Medici. It was produced, engineered, and mixed by Jim Eno with assistant engineering by Grant Epley. I whispered. It was mastered by Chris Longwood. Interview. 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 Can you introduce yourself and your band? Yeah, my name is Daniel, and I uh, play in Aski Loops. Awesome. And what's the name of the song that you wrote? Um, it's called Who Did You Call? And what was the confession about, in your own words? What was this confession about? Well, it was a really strange one. It was like about this guy who used to be friends with this um, other guy, and then at some point in his life, he had to call the FBI on him. Because, yeah, his, his friend opened up himself um, and was just confessing him all this weird stuff they was doing to cats. That's pretty much how I would describe the situation. <laughs> what interests me about this story the most, like, obviously I, I tried to write the song. First thing, I want to compliment myself because this idea is brilliant. This project is amazing. I would redo it like another 100 times. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, it's such a good idea but um, I mean I was trying to write the song about, not really about what happened but I was kind of trying to be inspired by I was trying to find a key of my personality in there do you know what I mean yeah so uh, like I think if you listen to a song to this song especially like um, you wouldn't really understand probably what the song is about you know because yeah. it's such a hard thing for me to understand this is where i'm trying to get to because i think being from europe like we have a very different way of dealing with these kind of things like i would never call the fbi on my friend mm -hmm. um i was talking about it with jim the other day yeah he um, mentioned this he mentioned this to me yeah because it's like so what would you have done well you know if if, if a friend of mine opens up so much first thing i, I would kind of like be overwhelmed by the fact that I'm such a good person to him that I allow him and I have his trust, you know, so he can open up himself and tell me something that heavy because a lot of people wouldn't say that because they would be way too afraid of the consequences. But so I think that first action of him telling me something would make me kind of double think about what to do. You know, I wouldn't just straight away go to the FBI. And also in Europe, you would just probably call a doctor. But then obviously I wasn't thinking about the entire health insurance thing that goes on in America. Like in mm. Europe, you would just like, you know, you would realize this guy's got problems, which most likely are associated with his brain, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and just like call, you know, a psychiatric or someone and just like probably find some free help and in a hospital and 
help him out, you know? So I found it, I found it a, a, a very American story, which is also why I wanted it, the song to sound very American. Yeah. So a couple questions f- to follow up with that. I mean, one, I love the tone of your, the guy singing in the song. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so simple, you know? And, yeah. and like you said, like it's, it's, it's impossible to capture everything about this confession. And so I like that you sort of just broke down his motivation really simply in the lyrics, you know? I thought it was an awesome way because Thank you. because there's so much going on in this story, you know. Um, I think it's really interesting what you said about in Europe. You know, the reaction would be, well, "Let's call a doctor," uh, and and here in the states, I mean, I've I've talked about this confession with several people. They're not surprised that he called the FBI or the cops, right? May I was so surprised. Yeah, <laughs> but fair enough. I mean, culture makes different people you know as in you're shaped by 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 your culture and your law we're just lucky to have you know the health system that we have but there's also many different things that are fucked here than america aren't i mean america's fucking huge that's the thing i've realized when i when i got there that really also inspired me like when i moved to i mean italy is bigger than the uk but Mm -hmm. um, and there's more people than the uk but obviously the market for music and art in the UK is three times the size for obvious mm-hmm. reasons, right? So when I moved to London, I was like, oh my God, I'm in this huge place now and this is the actual world and, I, and I'm living my life in, 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 in the world, you know? And I'm, whoa, look, all these people and these different cultures and all these genres. And then when I moved to America, I was like, oh, fuck, wait a second, this is the world. Because <laughs> it's yeah. like 10 times the size. you got fucking everything there, you know? Yeah. So obviously, when you get when you deal with so many humans, the amount of fuck ups is larger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. just interesting to think, you know. I used to teach uh, English as a second language in I lived in New York, and uh, I had a couple. St- all my students were adults, right? And I had this one student. Uh, she was Italian, and like she said this thing, you know, it's so fucking true. It's like we have such a different the way we talk about World War II, which is this huge event, you know, it's like Americans talk about World War II like we won. Like we won that war, you know? Yeah. And it's I like mean, everyone did, in Europe... save our ass. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's like everyone in Europe talks about it like we lost, you know? Yeah. And it's such a good point. And I remember I was in uh, uh, Gorizia, I think is the name of the town in Italy. Oh, wow. And what were you doing there? Uh, I was actually on a tour and, uh, after the tour was done, I had a, a former student who said, Hey, if you are ever in Italy, come stay with me. I'll take like amazing care of you. And I was like, eh, okay. this is the middle of nowhere, but why not? And, uh, and I went there and it was an amazing, like three days. I mean, he, he drove me to, uh, Ljubljana. And we drove, we, he, he just drove me fucking everywhere. And he's like, I want to take you to my favorite restaurant. It's in the middle of nowhere, all this stuff. Um, but Sick. we were, yeah, it was amazing. It, it was incredible hospitality, like all over, but he, he took me through this, this park and it was just broken monuments and a hole in the ground. And I was like, what is this park? And he's like, this is our, our memorial for world war two. Like they just didn't rebuild it. 
Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, but I think I, I think it's interesting because it, it, it bonds Europeans together in a way that Americans don't understand. Like, there's very much this, like, uh, avoidance of violence, whereas I think that here... Yeah, I mean, I think people, you're right. This is interesting. I never yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah, I, I never really did until my, my friend pointed it out to me, but it's like, man, it's really true. Like, I mean, you know, America, in Italy, we, yeah. we were the buddies. So, yeah. Um, and the sense, mainly, it's, so Bologna, it's called the red, because it's always been like left wing. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of what we call partigiani, which were like the people literally fighting in the hills against the fascists and the Nazis, because mm-hmm. they wanted to. It was like, you know, the, the internal fight for freedom. So, being the body and also having such a strong sense for like, you know, um, fighting the enemy over here. Mm-hmm. We are really, really, really sensitive to, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we see the second, the second world war, like, you know, fuck, we, we, it was fucking terrible. We fucked it. We've lost it. And we had to fight for our freedom, you know? So yeah. I, I guess it is a very different feeling from coming to fix a place from somewhere else, you know? Well, and, 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 and also, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of at the, the core of like healthcare too, because. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, a lot of, yeah. of, of this good European laws started after the war. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of like save things from being shit again. Have you ever had a falling out with a childhood friend like this where it's like, you just never speak again? Not really. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a very calm person. I'm very chilled. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think I have ever fallen out so much with someone. Maybe that's why the lyrics were so simple, because I was kind of, I always write from a place of love. Yeah. And I was just trying to, I was really trying hard to find myself, you know, to feel myself in his trousers, you know what I'm saying? Like, to like really, like, understand where it was mm-hmm. coming from. And yeah. I just started talking about love again. I was like, I was very concentrating on, on, on the fact that this guy really loved the friend, but he can't love him anymore. That's kind of the meaning of my song, you know? Yeah, it's like uh, to the confessor, you know, his friend, I think he found out that his love was conditional, you know? Exactly, like he didn't yeah. He didn't know it was, and then it turns out it was. Not that I disagree. Well, there is part of me that... Uh, I would have put some distance between me and this person too, if I had had the same experience. But yeah, I mean, basically it was like, turns out I don't want to know you anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I always find that very interesting. That's yeah. What you just said is basically what the song was, is about. Like, I don't want to know you anymore or I can't love you anymore. It's basically a song about um, conditional loss. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever had someone close to you have like a mental breakdown? More than once, actually. I've, I've got some pretty frontline experience with that. One of them in particular, though, is, was pretty intense. I mean, involved a knife. I was concerned for someone's safety. I mean, it was, it was one of the most intense five minutes of my life. But for some reason, I, I definitely uh, agree with Daniel and was always trying to help them get to a hospital more than calling the police. But this guy, our confessor, I mean, he was around someone who was violent 
Very. Yeah. And the, the whole abuse towards animals thing, I mean, that, that definitely never came into play in my situations, which at my core would have probably changed everything that I felt about it, you know? Yeah. Do you think what he did makes him a bad friend? That That is like the ultimate question. It, it's such a catch-22 because in some ways it makes him a great friend. He was worried about his safety, his friend's safety, the safety of others around. He he wanted to make sure that not only did he not harm anyone else, but that he didn't harm himself. So there's obviously a lot of love and caring in that kind of decision. He wouldn't have made that decision probably about just anybody. Um, I think you're right. I think your intuition about him is right. Yeah. And I also wonder whether what he did was caring and loving, but the problem was that he went to the cops Mm -hmm. instead of a doctor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, like the intent was there. Or instead of the going to the family or there's there, there were other avenues he could have taken necessarily, you know, before necessarily going to the FBI, I guess is what we're saying. Um, But, but at the same time, it's like doing nothing in that scenario isn't, necessarily expressing love that's really just enablement there is a certain way in which daniel almost didn't write a song that really delved into the details of what the confessor was saying you know Mm -hmm. i mean his reaction was very genuine and i think the song rules but it is interesting because you know that confession there's so much more that goes into that just about friendship Mm -hmm. and just about mental illness you know, I, I wonder sometimes, like, what would that have been like if if the confessor actually wrote his song? Because if you remember in your conversation with him, I mean, that's the first thing he says is like, mm-hmm. I've been trying to write a song about this. Yeah, it was really interesting that he is also a songwriter, but yeah. it's probably such an intense experience for him that he's he seems like he's had trouble. Like you said, I tried to write a song about this. He yeah. didn't say that he wrote a song. Yeah, it, you and I have talked about this before, but... Uh, how we both ignore certain red flags about people. Mm-hmm. We're uh, too nice. Too nice. And, and, and I mean it in, in a more casual way, mm-hmm. like we'll, we'll engage and talk to people who are clearly, let's say at minimum, just annoying, but maybe beyond that do have some kind of thing going on. You definitely have developed some, some weird friends on tour. <laughs> yeah. There's been some very interesting tour friends. <laughs> Did you have one in mind? I do have one in mind. I okay. think you know the one I'm thinking of. Oh, I, I don't. You don't? With who are you thinking of? The the hooker you pawned off on me in Wichita. <laughs> <laughs> the hooker you pawned off on me in Wichita? <laughs> Sounds like a fucking Tom Waits B-side. Yeah. That was, um, that was an interesting uh, post, post-show interaction for sure. So uh, I guess just to clarify, <laughs> I am in the mode at the merch booth of just trying to get people to buy stuff. And this woman was uh, uh, wanted a shirt. And I said, well, I can't give you a shirt. She said, what if I smoke you out? And I was like, oh, my drummer smokes weed. <laughs> Zach! Yeah. And then you being more observant and less trying to make $20 off this person realized that she was a hooker. Well, I didn't realize. She said, I'm a hooker. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> she told me her entire life story. And I was too nice to walk away. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So so my point with, with all this is that <laughs> I, I feel like I have uh, engaged with people uh, over the years 
and maybe gone a little further in that mm -hmm. than some of my close friends mm -hmm. because they have just developed those skills of, oh, I, I'm not going to waste my time on this person. I, I think that uh, fact that we rely on friends so much to be family kind of makes us that way to an extent. I think that's fair. It's definitely know, fair to us. It's but. like we don't have boundaries because of that, because we're always accepting new familial applications. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely uh, tend to judge later in mm -hmm. my in my immediate. I I, I was talking with, with some people a couple weeks ago. Actually, it was a group of uh, people I didn't know very well discussing first impressions, mm -hmm. and one of the things I was struck by was that. I have almost no first impression of people. Interesting. And, and I think part of that, or no strong first impression, and part of that is I think I'm uh, generally an accept first, evaluate later. Mm -hmm. Not that I think that's the best way to be, but that, that tends to be why I find myself sometimes, uh, as they say, suffering fools much longer than other people on the ground. Song Confessional Podcast is brought to you by KUTX. It is produced by myself, Zach Catanzaro, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Rylan Kettery, Jim Eno, and Mike Lee. The theme song you heard at the top was written by me, Walker Lukens. It was performed by myself, Zach Catanzaro, James Wesley Essery. It was engineered and mixed by Grant Epley. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do for us is to tell a friend. But if you'd like to do more, please rate us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can stream Who Did You Call anywhere you listen to music. Also, I feel like we should clarify that Bologna isn't really from Bologna. Mortadella is from Bologna, and Bologna is something that is in your lunch when you're a little American boy. I think it's basically taking mozzarella and making American cheese. That's very true. So sorry, Italy. Sorry. Please don't come after us. <laughs> <laughs>